When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Tag, NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba, and I am here a little different today. A little bit of a curveball. Garbage time Albert Gim had to take the week off for load management. So we have next man up, the Tom Thibodeau approach, backcourt violation, the minister of madness. I don't know, I made the 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 meme uh general at no ceilings, Tyler Rucker filling in, stepping in for Albert this week. Tyler. Yeah, it, it's got to feel good getting Michael Jordan off the bench. Um, I know I've used that joke once before, but it, it never gets old. So thank you, Albert, for uh, the load management, because I'm, I'm excited to be back and talking hoops with you, Corey. It's been a minute. We've been busy. We've been busy. You know, we've been talking behind the scenes every right. day, building this No Ceilings platform um, along with the crew, who's just been doing a phenomenal job. Yes. I mean, the writing, the writing recently has just been you know off the charts uh, especially if you're a fan of the draft and you've been following along and now that march madness is over I, things are really like now is when the madness starts it's not march it's april it's april <laughs> madness for us in the draft world um so i'm excited to to do this episode because this is a guy that uh, i just have so many feelings on yeah. so i'm you know uh we're talking about ohio state's ej liddell forward big man 21 years old right now 21 years old on draft night 67 240 reported seven foot wingspan put up a staggering 19.4 points per game eight rebounds two and a half assists to 2.4 turnovers 2.6 blocks and a half a steal this season shooting 49 percent from the field 37.4 percent from downtown 76 and a half percent from the line true shooting percentage of nearly 60 a per of 30 and a half i mean just an absolutely dominant year at ohio state and this is a guy uh looking at his stock price preseason was not on the draft radar did not make the first appearance of the draft act that we released on no ceilings uh in november didn't make an appearance on the draft act top 30 uh, until January when he came in at number 30. So this is a guy that even early in the year didn't necessarily have that momentum going. Uh, currently, ESPN has him at 21. The Athletic has him at 25. Tankathon has him at 20. Basketball News at 22. Bleacher Report at 24. The Ringer at 20. No ceilings. We had him at 21, 21 on the big board we just released earlier last week. Was it last week? This week? I don't know. Time is flying. That's an average stock price of 21.8 for EJ Liddell. So from off the radar completely to, you know, potentially a top 20 guy, Tyler, I ask you, 
is EJ Liddell's stock price too high, too low, or just right at 21.8? You know, I'm like you, Corey. You, you hinted it perfectly. Um, I have a lot of feelings about EJ Liddell, um, and they, they keep getting very confusing the more I watch them. And it's usually a lot of pluses. I would say it's a little low right now um, because I, I just am sort of convinced that this is going to be a guy that creep, keeps creeping up some draft boards. He might flirt with like the late lottery, um, late teens. I, I can just really see some some team in that range being really, you know, sold on the idea of his skill set, you know, especially when it comes like, I know we're going to talk in depth about him, but like he's got really, really intriguing two-way versatility. And there's some parts of his game that jumped at me that I wasn't expecting when I did a deep dive on him. So yeah, I would probably say a little low, um, but that's just, you know, my personal big board. I think I had him around like 15 um, just because I'm, I'm really buying into the idea of um, some team being like, we need this floor spacing two-way forward that could maybe slide in next to like, if a team has a center, um, I know we're going to talk in depth, so I'm not trying to spoil too much in the first couple minutes, but um, I really do see like a, a, a strong asset at the next level. So I'm intrigued to, to talk to you about EJ. I feel like this is one guy me and you haven't really discussed. So this is perfect timing. Yeah. Not a ton, uh, a discussion on him because he's, you know, he's on the surface. He's not this like super flashy prospect that I think is like, you know, you, you go on draft Twitter and there are like these waves and flashes and trends of guys that get hot. And he's a guy that like had this really steady production the whole year. And just, I, I feel like he never had that wave of hype. Um, right. Maybe it's cause he's a little older. I don't know, but you know, I agree. I think it's probably too low. And when we look back on the draft, we're going to be like, why was this guy in the twenties? Cause I think he's one of the safer players in the draft to actually be like a rotation guy down the line. Now, Having said that, like I went and looked at my latest board and, you know, before I really dove back into his film um, and I had him at, I think, 24, 25. So right. here I am being slightly lower on him than what consensus is. And I'm like, what the fuck am I thinking? Like this dude is to me, like he's going to be a good player. And the more you watch him, you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like that. Like I could see him doing that. Okay. All right. I want more. Let's do it. So, but then again, you know, part of the draft process and when you're ranking guys, it's like, what is EJ Liddell's ceiling look like compared to some of these other guys? You know, like, am I going to take Jan Montero over EJ Liddell for a team like San Antonio or Chicago or Minnesota? Like, Probably not. Right. But there's going to be some team that maybe is in more of a rebuilding situation. That's like, maybe we take the shot on a guy like Montero before Liddell, because you know, his top end, we don't have the guard depth. We're rebuilding. Like we can let this young kid develop. So I think it's all going to be situational, but I think wherever he goes, like ultimately he's going to be a guy that contributes. I'm, I'm not really, I don't have any doubts about that. Yeah. It's, it's really funny because I'm going to end up having him higher than a lot of other guys on my board, but it's not me thinking that those guys won't get selected ahead of him because, you know, we know the draft is all about fit, but I think a guy like Liddell, the fit's really, really going to be important because some team has to have like a really specific plan next to him. Like um, one of my favorite projections for him is if he ended up in Minnesota where it's like, he's playing alongside potentially Carl Anthony towns, where it's like a, a true center with size Liddell can come in, also space the floor, stretch out the defense, 
and he could do a lot of special things with the ball in his hand. Um, I, I, I did a deep dive on him and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to see the three point shot. I'm ready to see like the, the mid range game, but he's a really underrated playmaker that, that I don't think gets talked enough about. Like he has some great vision when it comes to like enticing the defense to collapse on him and he keeps his head up on a swivel and, and he can throw some bullet passes like for shooters across the court like he has a great skip pass like it is on the money it's right in the shooter Mm -hmm. pocket so I've been really intrigued watching him um I know we'll probably talk about his defense later because that's kind of the the kicker when you start buying into EJ Liddell and then you watch him defensively you're like okay all right like I could I could see that but you know Minnesota like um I think even Denver like teams like that where it's like they have an established center that you can bring EJ in to kind of give you another gadget like asset. I, I, I really do think like some team's gonna buy. Some team's gonna be like, yes, we have a great plan for this guy. He would fit in beautifully. Yeah. I mean, I if Chicago ends up in the position where yeah. they could draft him as a Bulls fan, like uh I would love that, you know, like in uh, Arturis Karnishovis coming over from Denver, like he's a guy that is I think that he fits the type of player that he kind of likes, you know, like we'll talk about his versatility and all the things that he does. But I think that those, you know, like you said, Minnesota, Denver, Chicago, like those are the situations that are going to give you the best return on investment for a guy like Liddell, because he's coming in, not as this guy that he was at Ohio state. That was like this first option on the team. He could be more of a role player. And I think it'll accentuate a lot of those strengths even more before we get into the specifics. I'm going to give you $10 imaginary money. Okay. I like right. money. Even if it's fake. Yeah, it's fake. And you get to choose how you want to invest this money. Split okay. up between EJ Liddell, Justin Lewis, and Trevion Williams. Okay. You can invest that 10 any way you want. Um, wow. This is a good one. Thank you. Thanks for starting off my day with a real curveball. Um, for people that don't know, I'm a very big Justin Lewis fan. I might be the CEO of that fan club. So uh, I'd probably go six bucks on EJ, three bucks on Justin. And then, you know, Trevion can pass the ball. And I, I love the bigs that can pass. So I'll throw a dollar there. You know, okay, it's a little sweetener. Right. What about yourself? I, if I threw that I same question that. at you, give me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know, I, I tried making this as hard on for me personally <laughs> as I could, because these are yeah. other two other prospects that I also love. And they're, I think, two prospects that are like two other prospects that guys are either like really high on or like completely like indifferent or out on. Yeah. Um, I like all of these guys and I think EJ, I would give $4 to. Okay. I think he's probably the safest bet of the guys. I would give three to Justin Lewis and I would give three to Trevion because I am driving the Trevion Williams bus. And, um, I did not know that about you. Wow. Oh my God. I love you're Trevion really holding Williams, out man. on me. You're, you're keeping the secrets. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I, you know what? I was going to write about him one week at No Ceilings. Uh, I had, I think it was right after I saw him live against Rutgers up close. And then I think Nick wrote about him, like put him on the, on the schedule, like literally the day I started 
chopping up clips. And I was like, oh, cool. I guess I'll, I'll come back to, to writing about Trevion. Touche, Nick. You got there yeah, first. All right. Classic Nick. That's th- This one's on me for not using the uh, the time tree that we use to, <laughs> to, to call guys out. Um, I, yeah, I love Trevion. I think that another older guy, love his passing, love his playmaking. I could see him just being super versatile. I think he's underrated as a defender, quick hands. Um Obviously, like, can he be in shape? What's he going to do guarding in space? All that. But this episode isn't about Trevion Williams and Justin Lewis. You know, uh, he could be, you know, a Morris brother quite easily, I think, you know, in yeah. the league. And and I think that he has the potential to be more than that. Right. Um, you know, for those we have, you know, we're broadcasting live on YouTube as well. If, uh, you know, we have our friend uh, Siddharth Kumar says, how do you feel about Liddell at 17 to the Rockets? Yeah. Like, yes, I'm <laughs> completely in. Because that, that's an interesting one. Like, hypothetically, like, say Houston ends up with one of the the, the top three guys. Um, obviously, I'm rooting for Chet just because of the Shangoon Chet experience. Yes. But, like, same. even if they get one of those guys, like, I think EJ's still a great piece to add to that young roster because he just – he knows how to play. He, he's got that two-way versatility. He really can space the floor. I mean, if you're talking about him as like a rotation asset, like, yeah, that's a big boost for the Rockets. Those are the type of picks, if you're a rebuilding team, you want to keep adding guys like that, even if yeah. they're not supposed to be like positioned as starters. But I love EJ. Like, I'm, I'm excited to talk about him because I, I, I finished up my deep dive on him today, and I was like, okay, like, it, he's the one guy you hinted at it earlier, Corey. The more I look at my board, I get to his name and I'm like, why am I not moving him up? Like, what is, what is holding it up? And I, every time I move him up and that's like, I'm at 15 now and I just keep looking and I'm like, why not? Like someone's going to believe that that's a nice addition. Like they're going to have a really strategic plan for him. And and I'm just a big believer. I think people are going to get scared about his size. Um, I I know we're going to probably talk about that, but I, I just, I like the way he plays. He 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 understands he's going to be undersized and he makes up for it in a number of different ways. Yeah. So the one thing, the way I, we usually start with shooting, but I'm going to start it with his athleticism. Yeah. Let's do you look it. at him, right? You look at him on the surface. He looks like, I don't think, I think he's solid. Like, I think he's just like a big bodied, like, yeah. it looks like a tight end. But I think some people might think he looks like he's got some pudge to him. Yes. Um, but I think it's just his body type. I think he's, he looks solid and he's six, seven, right? On the surface, you're probably looking at him and you're like, he's not going to be this like athletic freak. He doesn't look like a Mare or, you know, one of those type of guys. Uh, but I'm excited to use this term on, you know, not just like a white shooter. Is he sneaky athletic to you? <laughs> yes, 100%. Sneaky. Big man is sneaky athletic, and he is big. But um, it's like he's got vertical pop that you don't, you're don't you not ready for until it no. comes. And you're like, whoa, where did that come? And then it, it's, it's awesome. But he also can get lateral really quick. Like he mm-hmm. when he wants to get somewhere, he can move his feet. Like he's a dancing bear. He, he's got light feet. He, he really gets all over the place. That's what like, yeah, he's six, seven. And everyone's going to see that right away without watching him and be like, Ugh, an undersized power forward. Like, trust me, I get it. I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. It's my least favorite thing to evaluate of all time is the undersized guy. Cause I'm like, gosh, can you just be two, two inches taller, please? I would fall <laughs> in love with you. But 
he really makes up for it because he understands how to use his body. He understands like, I got to be quick. So his anticipation, like his instincts on both sides of the ball really jump out, but he can get up and and he understands like how to throw his body around, how to kind of get into defenders. And also like, it makes up for it. Like even off the dribble, he'll, he'll give you a shoulder like shug and, and kind of step back to create that space. He, he has a great awareness of, um, you know, how to, how to have that advantage against the defender or on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm a big, big EJ fan. And he's like, he's fast. He's fast. You know, like he's quick. He's fat. Like every way I look at him, like outside, like, yeah, I think that his size and like sometimes um, when he's in the midst of creating or attacking, like he doesn't have that, like Anthony Edwards, put it on your head type bounce, but like, He's got a quick first jump. He he comes out of nowhere, explosive, chase down. Like I he's sneaky athletic in a way that I I don't know if he'll get credit for because I think people will look at him more so as like a groundbound, undersized, like Grant Williams type power forward. And I don't necessarily see that from him. Um let's let's break down the shooting. Let's yeah. let's go there now. Cause he shot it at 37% on like four attempts a game this year. Uh, what do you think about his shooting and how it'll translate to the league? The pick and pop is going to be the biggest sell for him um, because he sets some some great screens and, and he can really shoot the shit out of the ball from deep. And, and it's not just like a couple feet beyond the arc. He can, he had a couple threes this year that were like, screw you threes to the defense where it was like six or seven feet beyond the arc. And I was like, oh my gosh, off of catch and shoot. So he can get hot from outside. He's got a little bit of a line drive. Um, yeah, he does. Which is a little, it, it, it's weird, but it's like he, he can get takeover mode, like NBA jam status. Um, but like, I'm not a, a shot guru. Um, I, I always feel like I have to say that, but it, it does seem like he has a little bit of a line drive, but it, it looks solid. Um, the mid range is where I fall in love with him because he has that, you know, kind of feed him face up game where he can, he can do some, he has some shiftiness with the ball in his hands. Like his, his footwork is great. And he just falls in love. Like he can dribble and completely change direction for a fadeaway. And it's like the defense has no chance because it's just so sudden and and it's his shot. And he knows like, let me work to get to my spots. Like he has that awareness and understanding. So I think, People are going to fall in love with the three point shot. I really think like the mid range, the face up game is really, really intriguing because he works to get through traffic too. And also understands like he has good touch um, around the basket. He's got some floaters too. So what about you, Corey? What do you think about the shot? Yeah. Well, the, so his shot is definitely flat, right? Yeah. And there's sometimes it seems like he's shooting like almost on the way down. Um, so I think that when you're talking about his mid range shot, like he's, it's not as important for him to get like a crazy amount of arc. Cause he's not like, like sometimes it feels to me like from three, he's trying to get the ball to the hoop, yeah. you know, like, cause a lot of his misses are short. So maybe there'll be some adjust, uh, you know, a little adjustment to the three point line in the NBA, the, the extra distance. But like you said, it's not like he didn't knock down shots beyond that. So it's, it's not like I think it's a, a mirage and he's not actually a good shooter. Like I think he's going to be able to shoot it. And like you said, like he, he's, he'll pick and pop all day. Um, and when he does pick and pop and like, even when the shot's not there, like it opens up a ton of other stuff. Like you said, he, like he lasers 
you know, some of these like cross court passes and, you know, he's, he's going to be deadly in the pick and pop. Um, he, with the mid range, you know, he, he does a lot of turnarounds, you know, he, yes. he's got that fadeaway. And what I like is he shoots it like, like he'll take the fadeaway, like off of the wrong foot, which, you know, always like kind of jumbles up the defense a little bit. Um, so he, like, I was trying to figure out how to say this because even when he's short, like he's very consistent, the shots flat. A lot of times it'll go in like back rim, but it's like consistent. I think he has really good aim. Yeah. You know, like he's like a marksman to where like he knows where to put the ball. So it's not like he has these misses where it's like clanking off the, the backboard or the side of the rim. Like he, he's very consistent in getting the ball to the right spots of the hoop, which gives me, you know, kind of optimism that he'll he's going to be a good shooter as well because he's getting the ball to where it needs to go um and 37 percent on pretty good volume was is is not bad so i'm i'm bullish on him becoming a a good shooter in in the league uh even if like you know maybe it takes some adjustment from distance and then like you said self his ability to to this is where his self-creation i think is where he breads his butter is in that mid post jab step face up um you know, if he goes to the post, he, he'll take that that mid range shot, whether there's one guy there or two guys there, you know, like and he's not a, like he he's confident that he could finish even when the help comes. Um, So sometimes does he settle for the turnaround, you know, tough turnaround? Yeah, but that's his role at Ohio State. Like, I don't think that's his role in the NBA or that he's going to have like a, a hefty shot diet of just like get on the block uh and and go to work maybe if he goes to a rebuilding team you know he'll get a lot of those opportunities but if he goes to one of those teams we talked about earlier like he'll get those opportunities when they're opportunistic and it's not going to be like he's going to work there so often that a team is going to be like okay we got to throw a double at him like i think teams are going to be mostly in a situation where they're playing him straight up you know so i think that his shot in that regard like even if it's a little line drivey like it's it's totally fine and workable and i think he with the right shooting coach, like he'll get a little more arc, a more, little more elevation. And you know, it, it'll be a process. And when he gets enough reps, like he'll be fine. Yeah. They, I completely agree with you. It, it is really fascinating. Some of the stuff he does to create his shot, because it, it makes like no sense that sometimes you're just like, how does he get this shot off all the time? Because it's like, you're saying he goes off the wrong foot. He, he has, he battles like, and it's exactly like you said, he doesn't care if, and it's not like tunnel vision, but he, he's fine with multiple guys crashing on him. Cause he's like, cool. I I'm bigger than you. I have more strength and he goes up aggressive. He goes up strong, but he also shows touch while doing that. Um, you know, I, I was watching him and he just kept doing that turnaround and I was like, all right, show me something else. And, and then finally he was like off the dribble spin and then off the glass, like runner. And it was like, backward swish. I was like, that was beautiful. Like, and I was just like, how did he make that shot? So it just doesn't make sense at times, but you love everything you're seeing. So, um, yeah, I'm like you, the shot could get flat, but he does have a lot of times too, where it's like the aim, like you're saying is, is right on. And he has that shooter's role. He, he really just, he really just keeps impressing you the more and more you watch him. Yeah. It, he's, he's just so solid everywhere. And I know yeah. that that, that could be boring, but like, I'm just, every time I watch him, I'm like, this is a guy that's going to play in the league for a long time on a lot of good teams. And, um, as a self-creator, you know, he got to do that a lot at Ohio state and 
you know, I, I think that he's probably an underrated ball handler. It's he's not like super shifty by any means. Um, but like he knows how to play with pace with the ball in his hands. And like, even when a guy beats him to a spot, like he does these crafty little things. And like you said, he has good footwork. Like he'll put his shoulder into the defender to create a little bit of space and then roll off of him with a spin move to change direction. So like, even if he's not getting the defender to lean one way with the handle, you know, uh, he is getting them to having to change directions and he's not, you know, predictable with what he's doing because he can, get to those spots. And once he gets you to 15 feet, you know, he can just get a shot off. Even if it's a tough one, he's willing to put uh, the shot up. So he, he's not predictable in that way, which I like. Um, And I think in the NBA where there's more space, you know, there's less going to be less help crashing. And and that's going to be a part of his game that I think will shine in the NBA, especially when he's like getting a kick off, like a swing, you know, uh, or, uh, second side like skip and now he can attack a closeout or whatever you know i i think that this is where you're gonna see a lot of like oh i didn't know he had really had that in his bag too much like show up at the next level he he's just solid like you said and i think you know a weird hot take is like if you're if you're evaluating these guys and, and you're watching highlights and you can't find yourself buying into Keegan Murray. I could see you struggling to buy into EJ Liddell too, because they're very similar with where it's like, they will go to work. Like they will be patient and get to where they want to get. And they'll, they'll back you down and and wait for that opening for you to make that first mistake. And they will take advantage of that opening. Like EJ is strategic with everything he does. He can pick and pop and then he can put the ball on the ground four times and from the perimeter and all of a sudden he's shooting a little jump hook and you're like, how the heck did that happen? And he's like, well, I'm 240 pounds and I'm bigger than you. I, yeah. I know I can be patient and get there, but his, his footwork really stands out. And then if he does that and you collapse on him, the double, he also has the floor awareness to be like, cool, I'm kicking it out. It's a wide open three for my teammate. He just is really solid, like you're saying, and this is why I keep moving him up because I'm like, this guy's going to play a long time in this league. Like He just does too many things that he's going to impact the game. And then, I mean, we're just talking about his offense. We, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the defense where it's like, oh, he's incredible defensively too. So yeah. that's why I'm just saying, like, these are the guys that I buy in late because I'm like, I'm going to move him up my board. He might get drafted later, but I'm, I'm believing that EJ Liddell is going to have a long career in the NBA. Yeah. And, and like you said, I, I want to t- talk about his passing a little bit because yep. like you said, like he shows these flashes, he averaged two and a half assists a game where, you know, he'll get the ball and he's just like, he's got the, those long arms. He'll put the ball two hands over his head and just fire a, a, a pass across the court, right to the shooting pocket. Um, you know, he's not afraid to kick out of a double team. I do think sometimes, and again, he was the number one option. So go get a bucket. He was like a little slow to react to the double coming and, and, uh, not that he, it's, it's hard to say, cause he's not selfish. He's not unwilling to, to pass the ball, but there were just times where it was like in college, he's like, I could still get this shot up and right. 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 Where at like the next level, like if that comes, I think it's going to be harder for him to do that against NBA players. Um, so I don't know if that was just him actively being like, I've been in college for a few years. I'm stronger than you. Like I, I got the length. I know I can make this shot. I've been working on it. Uh, so we'll see, but, he can lead the break, grab and go and like actually look fluid in the open court, making passes. Uh, The one thing I wanted to see more of, 
And it's because, you know, it's college. He's much more prone to popping than rolling. You know, the most of the times when he'd roll and I love, I absolutely love how deadly the set was like Ohio state ran this horn set with Branham in, in the corner and Liddell at one of the elbows and uh, they'd be on the weak side and Liddell would just run a, he would just set a screen for Branham to come off, you know, uh, and, and catch a little rip Hamilton mid range yes. shot. And if yes. they over, and if they overplayed him because he's deadly there, like Liddell would roll to the hoop and just slam it down. Like so simple, so effective, yes. but for the most part, like if he was running a high ball screen, it was to pop to the three point line. I do wish we saw a little bit of him like popping to the free throw line so he could make plays out of the short roll. Cause I think that that's going to be something that he can do at the next level that we didn't get to see a lot of at Ohio state. You know, he didn't get to be the playmaker. I think he's going to be capable of being because with all of the space in the NBA, like imagine him just getting downhill, looking to attack the basket and then seeing shooters like, in the in the weak side corner like that's going to be easy money for him i think but i i wish that we got to see more of it yeah i, I agree because like you're saying if, if you got him elbow extended like my goodness because he just has that that quick first step and the the his his jab step is outstanding because he'll use it to get you to like just slightly go back and he's like cool mid-range thank you like wide open shot and he understands like all he needs to use is his footwork to kind of get that defender to to bite but he also, like you're saying, like if they put him at the elbow and, and let him almost kind of make plays, he can either put the ball on the ground with his first step and, and use his power to get to the basket. He can finish with touch. He's got the floor awareness to, to drive and kick, and, and he also can pull it from mid-range. So I'm like you. Um, some, I would love to see him be more of a role guy because something that stood out to me too, he's really good at sealing. So like mm-hmm. when he gets that below the basket and gets a defender on him, like no one's moving him. He, he just yeah. gets a grasp of you and he's like, just throw it over the top. I got it. And then he can get up quick. Like despite yeah. his weight and size, he can get up quick and, and finish with two hand slams with power. So I'm like you, there, there's definitely a lot of tools and what he can do already that with like his versatility offensively that you get really intrigued. But I still think there's, there's some more stuff that's waiting to get unlocked. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to everybody watching live. Um, commenting. Will, Will Lindsay says, what do you think of the fair ceiling for Liddell is? We'll get into that a little later. He also loves the idea of him in Portland. And I think he'd be a great guy, you know, for them to, to draft, to pair up with Dame. Uh, Sergeant Pepper says EJ Liddell equals right-handed Randall question mark, which like, I don't, I don't entirely hate, but we'll get to, we'll get to comps, uh, you know, later on. So, uh, you know, Rucker start thinking of that. If you haven't prepared a comp, um, I have some comps. I I came, I did my homework, but, uh, Oh, Randall. (laughs) Um, I also love his passing when he's at the top of the arc and he's like just running high, low, like, the touch to get it like over the defense, right, right where the the big needs it, so he can go straight up. Uh, let's talk about his finishing. Uh, what did you think about him finishing at the rim, either out of the post or when he was attacking? I, I'm good with it um, because there's just there's just touch, like there's there's really underrated touch and um, feel on everything. Like he can. He can finish with power through contact. He can finish with his left hand with little baby hooks. Um, what really impressed me is if you go watch, um, I think it was at Michigan, he, he went up against Musa Diabate yeah. a lot. And uh, 
he he had him in a torture chamber. Like he he hit him once with like a, a step through and one like off the glass runner. And then the next time came down and like hit one of his teammates with like he he pump faked him, had him in the air, then he like threw his shoulder into him again and then hit a fadeaway. And then he had somebody else like on a on a hook. I was just like, oh man, my man's going to work right now. <laughs> like he's just showing everything. So I think he's got some creativity because he'll he'll showcase that he can come through the lane and, and finish with touch with a little baby hook. And then the next time he'll come through and be like, all right, time to go to the fadeaway. And he hits that a couple times. And then he can have the step through and, and finish through contact or um, finish with some touch. So I think that's another area that people are going to get a little nervous about his size. But he has the the touch and like almost the the versatility with his his feel to kind of hide that in a weird way. And I know mm-hmm. saying hiding it is is strange to some, but I do think if you don't have that elite size, you got to be good other places and, and you got to stand out. And I think that's where he understands, like I can use my strengths to kind of make up for it um, yeah, because the counter, the, the, yeah, the counter, it, the fadeaway is beautiful and he knows exactly where to get. And, and it, it's like, you see it coming. It's like a slow motion death every single yeah. time. And, and I, I've, came away intrigued and he also has that sneaky pop like we talked about where he can finish with power and and dunk on some people yeah offensive rebounds he's up quick like quick first jump uh or second jump then i i'm not worried about him at all like you said the touch especially in the post like he's big enough to create space he's got the length to to shoot over you know when i watched the duke game um there are some times that like mark williams he struggled attacking like off drives but uh, you know, Mark Williams is a phenomenal defender. Yes. So, you know, it's saying that he struggled there is is not anything, I think, to dismiss him all of a sudden in that regard. Because I think he'll learn the more he gets to play against guys who are bigger and more athletic. Because, you know, the, most of the guys he went up against, he's not having the opportunity to, in real time, get reps against, like, big-time rim protectors every night. Like, most of the time, he's probably going to be stronger and more athletic than the guys in college that, he's he's manning up with so when he does have that opportunity he'll start being like all right that didn't work uh let me try something else you know uh my you know our guy Rashad Phillips came on to talk about Jaden Hardy and he was like you know I I was speaking to Trey Young and I told him like it's kind of like a pitcher in baseball. Like you got to go around the league one time. So you start figuring out everybody's tendencies. And then once you realize tendencies, you could start to figure out and get to, you know, okay, I can't uh, drive right on this guy because he's going to cut it off and send my shit into the stands. Like he'll start realizing that EJ Liddell, because he, his IQ is pretty high for, for, uh, for a big Um, let's get to the defense. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. About yeah, damn let's, time. No, let's get to that defense, man. Cause oh yeah. I think I'm I'm more <laughs> like the the reason I'm I'm looking at my board and going, what am I doing here? Why like why do I just why is he the default? Let me just put this guy ahead of him. Uh the defense is the reason I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like I should I should just go reevaluate how I'm ranking this guy. Obviously, he made a huge leap as a rim protector this year. And those block numbers, nothing to sneeze at. I mean, two and a two point six blocks a game is pretty legit. He had multiple games over five blocks, uh, even more over four. So this is a guy who it's not like he just when you watch him, it's not like it was a fluke. 
that he just had this year. You could tell the game was pretty slow for him that he could anticipate when he needed to go help over like his weak side help. I thought was just like so impressive. I, I was, I just, it was an absolute joy to watch. He had a block against Wisconsin that Johnny Davis drove baseline and he was at the elbow and he like read the whole play before Johnny got to like his second dribble and just collapsed like a freight train from the elbow and literally just like palmed the ball on the backboard. It it was like one of those plays that you're just like, Oh my gosh, that's one of the most impressive blocks I've seen in in a minute. It, it is incredible his awareness, his his shot blocking ability at that size, at that frame. I mean, if you go look at the advanced numbers, he's up there with Chet, and, and he's doing it yeah. at 6'7 compared to Chet at 7 foot, which, in case anyone hasn't heard, Chet Holmgren is skinny, but that's for another day. <laughs> but, you know, EJ just, it's not just like he can, he's the rim protector now. It's just his anticipation and awareness on the court. Like he reads and dissects plays before they even happen. He understands where to put himself. He's really good in help defense. Um, and, and it's he's got violent hands too. Like if people are driving, he he understands like he can get his hand in there and he digs and, and makes a lot of strips and stuff. So I just I watched his film. I did the offense. I did his passing and I was like, okay, I'm in. And then I was like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be falling in love right <laughs> after this defense. And, and that's exactly what happened. I watched his defense. I was like, man, this guy can move for his size. Like he moves, he, he does a great job of, of moving his feet and staying with guards. And then he's got that nastiness with that chase down ability. The chase he, down is crazy. Oh, it's amazing. Cause you said it earlier and I, I wanted to bring it up. I saw a couple plays where like three guys were ahead of him on a fast break and he literally sprinted up the court and chased down block, like hit it into the fifth row. Like he can move. Like he moves. Don't let six, seven, two forty scare you. EJ can move and, and he gets going in a hurry. It's a freight train. Yeah. I like the, the chase downs might be my favorite part of his game. Like it's definitely not the part of his game that happens the most regularly, but when he gets going, and oh. he's got the momentum, like juggernaut style, straight line. And like, you just see the play happening in slow motion. Like the guard thinks he's just going to calmly put it off the glass for an easy layup. And that thing just gets pinned to the backboard. Um, and again, like you don't expect it. You don't expect it because he's not playing a game that's based around athleticism, but he has athleticism to to bring out every once in a while when he needs to. That makes your, you just go, oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot about that. Let's 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 go. Um, and then out on the perimeter, and this is, I think, the most important thing for him. He he moves like he yeah. switches his stance. He could stay with guards. He gets long, and he's got the body that like you're not going to move him off off his spot. And when he's hip to hip with you, like he's almost dictating sometimes where the ball handler can go because he's strong enough to just actually you know stay with you and and not get moved and he's dictating the whole play so I think that when you look at it in an NBA context like this is a guy that I'm not afraid if a guard gets switched on to him that he can't stay with him like you know when I talk about like a guy like Trevion Williams right I'm a little bit scared of like can Trevion consistently switch out and guard some of these guards I think that Liddell is going to be able to do that and that's why you know this is a guy that I think is going to be taken somewhere in like late lottery to you know 
maybe early twenties. Um, but my goodness, like that package, he, he's going to be able to guard guards. He's going to be able to stick the perimeter. And I think guard, you know, as best as somebody can. And obviously I'm talking about when he's developed a little bit, not his rookie year, but I think he's going to be able to guard your like perimeter scorers, you know, the, the Lucas, the, the Kawhi, like, I think you could throw him on those guys and be like, just try to make his life hard. Um, you know what I mean? And even if he doesn't shut them down, I think he's just got the wherewithal to kind of stick with some of those bigger wings, the Pascal Siakams, guys like that. And then he's strong enough that like, yeah, he's probably, if you're, if you have Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, right? Like he's probably not going to be able to check them in the post. Like spoiler alert, like fucking nobody in the draft is Jalen Duran's not covering Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid either. So, uh, you know, that's my favorite uh, trope, right? Um, but he's strong enough that he'll bang, he'll body, and he's going to make you work to get it going in the post as well. So I defensively, like, I'm like, yeah, like he's almost the, he's not under, to me, he's not undersized is, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Um, where maybe on offense, you could be like, all right, I wish you had a little bit more size on the offensive end, but I think he's perfectly capable at his height with his length, with his body type to guard. Cause he just moves so damn well for, for a guy, his size. Yeah, I, I went into his defensive film and, and the shot blocking immediately impressed me. And then I got to more focusing on like his perimeter stuff and I was just ready to get hurt. Like, you know, it's the office gift. Like, okay, I'm ready to get hurt again. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he had a couple like against smaller guards where he slid and, and held his own. And I was just like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, I was just like, this is incredible. Like, yeah. this makes no sense. And, and he, he's going to be fine to hold his own. Um, I remember that Duke game you're talking about, like Paulo went at him in the post and, and Paulo was trying to bang up against him. He was like, you, do you know how big I am? Like, you're not going anywhere. And then like Paulo tried to hit him with a couple up unders. He stood his ground. He didn't bite for it. And then Paulo tried to hit a fadeaway on him. And he blocked it right in his face. So he's going to be fine. He, he's not, he's this great shot blocker, but he's not eager to block everything in the world. He, he welcomes like the patience. He's, He's going to be um, understanding. He's not going to try to just be like, I have to block everything. Like he, he waits, he goes straight up when he wants. Um, now going and doing that in the NBA is going to be another level than it is Absolutely. for every shot blocker because they all got their own bag of tricks and to get you in foul trouble. And um, it's going to be a rude awakening for any rookie. But I think EJ is going to be that guy where you're spot on about it, Corey. You're saying like, if he gets switched onto a guy, I'm not going to be holding my breath like, oh, no, here we go. Um, I, I think he's going to do a, a, a respectable job where it's like you can keep him out there. He's not going to be this guy where it's like they're hunting EJ Liddell every single time because he also has like if a guard gets past him, he can catch up and, and have his body right on him. And then he feels it out where like the moment the guard's going up, he throws it into the third row. Like he he understands how to – have that recovery speed and have that chase down block like we're talking about. So yeah, I think EJ will be fine. I just kept watching him and just kept checking boxes. Like, I was just like, yep, yep. Like I'm, I'm a fan. I'm impressed. Yeah. He's uh, to me, he's like a, a modern four, like, you know, he's, he's the, the big wing that you want. And it's different because then you also have that type, that's like the Jeremy Suhan, who I know you're going to be writing about this week at No Ceilings. You have like Tari Eason, who's another guy. Like they all kind of play the, the same position. They're all a little bit different, but they all in their own ways represent like what the modern 
four looks like. And um, I think, again, like I think some people might think EJ Liddell is kind of like old school big, but he's got this new school element to him that I think is getting underrated. Um, he hits the boards like he'll, he'll end plays. He's good at boxing out. You know, he's always like active. He's making like uh, tap outs to, for extra possessions on the offensive glass. Like I just like, if from a coach's perspective, like this is a guy you want to ride with. Cause you know, like not going to make a ton of mistakes. Um, and he does a lot of the little things and then you can count on him to, you know, if you need to like go create some offense here and there. And again, like, is he going to do that in the NBA? hopefully not a ton. Like I think if EJ Liddell's your number one option in the NBA, you're probably in a little bit of trouble. You're probably going right. to be in the Victor Wimbayama uh, and, and Scoot Henderson sweepstakes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that he's a guy like he's just going to be able to play in a ton of big situations because he's versatile enough to guard. However, like pick and roll, like he could play in a drop, you know, he could hard hedge and, and blitz you. Um, and he could switch like he could just do whatever you need. You know what I mean? Uh, Alec Petrovich says, I think Liddell will be able to fill a Jay Crowder type of role, but will add more rim protection than Crowder does. And I think that's kind of what we're saying here. You know, like he does a lot of the things that Crowder does at that spot. Um, Crowder's probably going to be a better shooter. You know, I think uh, at volume, especially, but he I think Alex does a good job saying that's the kind of role for him. So shout out to everybody in the chat. Yeah. Shout out chat. I love these comments. These are amazing. Um, no, I, I could see the Crowder vibes, especially like a bigger, more powerful, you know, probably late career Crowder, like yeah. where he is right now. But I definitely could see that vibe because that's kind of what you're thinking. Liddell's going to be is like this, this floor spacing, low maintenance guy that can really make, um, an impact on both sides of the ball. So, um, that's a good one. I like that. Um, yeah, it's it's a little unorthodox, but I like it because it's similar roles. And, you know, I think EJ is a lo- probably going to be able to guard up a little bit because he's he's got that that strong frame, uh, you know, good core, like big legged, you know. So maybe if you put him down low, I think he'd, he'd handle that a little bit better than Jay Crowder has throughout his career. And Jay's probably early in his career, a little bit better at guarding the perimeter, even though I think EJ Liddell, like I said, is like the way he switches his stands, moves his feet, slides his feet, like big time, but versatile enough that you could, you know, bring him up in the same sentence as a guy like Jay Crowder, which is definitely intriguing. If you're buying stock in EJ Liddell, who may you have bought stock in previously? I feel like Sergeant, Sergeant Pepper already took, uh, right-handed Randall. So, so don't, don't go stealing Sergeant Pepper's. Oh, could this, does this have to be someone in this class or can I give a no, pro it's, comparison? This is, this is a pro comparison. Oh, okay. Want. I got, I did some homework, Corey. So you're going to be impressed with my preparation because, you know, getting on the draft deck is a big deal. I, I gotta, you know, bring my <laughs> yeah. a game. Um, so I was fascinated about this. Like I always am kind of a historian with the draft and I kind of wanted to go back and look and I was like, how many under six ten power forwards have kind of stuck around and I just kept looking back I was like what's the big names that jump out at me um I went back down a a rabbit hole I tried to do first rounders only but then I got to one name that I think is probably EJ's best pro comparison and some people might guess it but um his numbers are almost the same as this guy coming out of college and they were both juniors so I'll, I'll tell him and then I'll go down the couple lists so 
this guy was 6'8", 245 coming out of college. He averaged 19.6 points, 13.3 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, uh, shooting splits of 57, 35, 62, and he went 47th in the can NBA I guess? draft. Yes, you can. In 2006. Was Paul Millsap? Yes, Paul Millsap. Very good. Corey. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else I found, because I do think the Paul Millsap one's going to be the best, but everyone else I found, I was kind of intrigued. Um, Patrick Patterson in 2010 went 14th. Yep. He was 6'9", 235. He averaged 14, 7, and 1.3 blocks uh, in college, also a junior. Montrez Harrell went mm-hmm. in the second round, 32nd. Um, he was a junior, 6'8", 235. P.J. Washington, a little skinnier mm-hmm. version, but... Yep. You know, 6'8", 228. He was a sophomore. That's the only sophomore. And then I got Grant Williams, and I threw Brandon Clark in there as a a kicker. But they were both first-round picks. So I would probably say if you're you're watching young Paul Millsap, you're probably thinking that's maybe the vibe. Now, I think EJ, like even though I just read Paul's Millsap stats in college, I still think EJ might be a little bit better of a defender um, coming out just because of like the awareness and – what he can do where it comes to that mobility. But I do think that's probably one of the better, you know, guys to kind of look at and be like, that's the type of impact he could have early on. So there you go. I, I did some homework for I like uh, Mr. Corey. You, you went, you went balls deep in, uh, I in, in into that. Cause Paul Millsap yeah. is, is the guy that I have in mind. He's when we were talking about spots and you mentioned Denver and I, I kind of hinted at it when I said, you know, the guy in Chicago, it seems like the type of player he'd like because you know, he was in Denver at that time. Right. Um, I just, it's like, it just it's just by watching it like you don't have to look at the numbers just even stylistically they just look so similar Millsap was a guy who ended up shooting the ball super well turned into into an all-star if I'm not mistaken and just became this versatile like Swiss army knife defender um you know throughout his time in Atlanta and then Denver so I I and that's why I think like for the Bulls like that's what the Bulls need like the Bulls need a guy like that um Minnesota has you know a lot of options in their front court i think right um but you know he fits really well with cat so I, I i love that comp watching him from this class specifically he also kind of reminded me and it it made me like try to envision what this player would look like if he stayed in college for three years instead of being a potential number one overall pick he's like almost like a little bit more polished version uh just shorter of Jabari this year. Like Jabari obviously the shooting was much smoother, but you know, they loved that little face up, the little jab step into a mid-range shot, you know, I not a ton of like rolling to the rim, more so just like popping out. I think the playmaking stuff where like I, both showed like flashes of of how they are going to make passes at the next level. Obviously Jabari just his height, the fact that he had like historical shooting season at his height. Um, but playing with the ball in their hands, I I'm like thinking like, wow, like what if Jabari continued to work on his body and stayed in college for another two years? Like what the fuck would he be doing in this competition? And I also think it bodes well looking at his, you know, more for, for his pro prospects again, just like, Oh yeah. Like fucking Jabari. Like he has so much to work with that. It's like all this raw potential that if, 
you know, EJ and his finishing, like he's such a, he was a much better finisher this year than around the hoop than Jabari. But like in a couple of years, like, man, like imagine Jabari in a couple of years against college competition. And like looking at that, like, I just, I'm seeing flashes of like, wow, like EJ Liddell made me realize how much scarier Jabari could possibly get in a, a couple of years down the line, which is a curveball I didn't expect to to be feeling uh, while I was watching his film. Yeah, that's a good one. I thought you were going to go Paulo there and then you threw the Jabari and I was like, whoa, okay. But um, the more you talked it out and the more I was thinking about it, I was like, wait, I actually kind of see that just because like they have that desire to pop. They also have the footwork in the mid range, like you're talking about. And yeah, if, if guys had to stay multiple years, the draft classes would be just so nuclear, like stacked every year. (laughs) So amazing. Um, my still favorite is like Michael Jordan was a junior. So I just keep back and like, imagine those (laughs) days. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I really like you even look at the numbers offensively, like the synergy numbers, like EJ's solid everywhere. Like he's 88th percentile on offense um 85th spot up um i've talked about it with nathan on like draft deeper when it when it's college guys and you get above that like 60 percentile um that's a big number so like when you're in the 80s and stuff like that's that's ridiculous um you know he's 88th jabari was 85th when it comes to overall offense so paulo was 75th so it just shows you like kind of how impressive that Liddell's been all year. And, and I still think like you're talking about like, Oh, if he went to Chicago, what a get that would be for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm even thinking like a, a crazy one would be like, depending on what happens with OKC at the top, like maybe with their second pick, they, they would add like EJ Liddell, like um, Indiana could be in the same boat. You never know what's going to happen with the lottery, but it's one of those, like if you, if you walked with a, a shiny new prize in the top 10. And then all of a sudden you added EJ Liddell as a kicker. Uh, we, yeah. we talked about Portland earlier as well. Um, that, that'd that be really exciting. That would be getting a, a heck of a basketball player to help those teams like kind of push the needle forward. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you've been a big proponent that, okay, see, it's time for them to take the needle forward. Maybe it says that, uh, you know, we, we saw a tweet that says maybe they're, they're actually thinking about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see but uh you I just know, don't want another guard can we not like everyone wants jay and ivy <laughs> to go there and i'm like are we really ready for this headache that we're gonna create so i get it if he's on the board and he's the best player available but i also am like are we just gonna roll out that we're gonna be the phoenix suns the year they tried to have like Drogic and isaiah thomas and uh eric <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun year though you gotta you gotta admit that <laughs> it was, was a fun, fun experiment year. it was a fun experiment. things things did, you know went south for a while after they got rid of it um all right you got big shoes to fill here in this oh, next whoa. segment because uh you know this is albert's time to shine on the show shout out albert um you know we'll be excited to have you back I don't know what curveball's coming. Hit me. You, you're going to have to sell me this pen oh, on EJ gosh. Liddell. Um, a lot of pressure. Yeah, here we go. Um, do you have that? Do you? Does your team have nastiness in the paint? Do they have a smart basketball player that can score at three levels? Your answer is probably no. So why don't you take EJ Liddell? (laughs) I just, a big guy that moves like a a wing and the defensive instincts, the feel for the game on both sides of the ball, which is a big deal. And um, 
I think still the upside. Like I think his handle is solid. I still have seen some flashes where I'm like, there's something that's going to be unlocked there. As good as his footwork is, I think he's got more levels than unlock. I think, I think this is a guy that's going to play 12 years in the league. Mm-hmm. There's, there's my sell of the pen. I tried to pull the end of Wolf of Wall Street where he's, or when he's just like, why don't you write your name down? That's what I was trying to do. Do you have nastiness in the paint? But yeah, there you go. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer of EJ. I think someone's going to be really smart and take him a little earlier than we're ready for, but I like him. All right. So Will earlier, Will Lindsay earlier asked us in the chat, what yes. do we think a fair ceiling for Liddell is? Now we gave our, you know, we gave some comps, you know, are we thinking that Liddell is a guy that has a chance to kind of do the Paul Millsap thing where he is an all-star for a couple of years. And that's kind of, he has the potential to top out that way. Um, do we think he's more in the vein of Grant Williams where he's just like, he puts it together and he's this like awesome bench big that could just fit into multiple lineups and play up and down. Where are we at on the spectrum of Grant Williams to Paul Millsap? Oh man, this is, these are always tough because you really have to put your, like check your ego at the door and you're like, okay, do you really want to go out there and and get remembered by everyone in the group chat? (laughs) Uh, Shout out everyone on YouTube for listening. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not there on the all-star yet, but mm. I do think the Paul Millsap route is legit. I think that's realistic for his ceiling. Like, I could see having EJ Liddell down the road. Someone's like, damn, that's a nice piece to have. Like if EJ was one of your complimentary pieces and, and he's rolling, that's a, that's a damn good team. Like if you had a couple stars or offensive guys and EJ's like your, your sweetener that's a really fun core but i i still think his most important you know path or trajectory to getting early success in his career need to go to a team that has like a center next to him like say mark williams and ej liddell ended up together i'd be like that's a great addition because like ej doesn't have to do everything he'd be playing against this or with this defensive minded center I just think like if he goes somewhere or like we're talking Denver, Minnesota, where they have like that center that's set and and he can kind of be that early rotation asset that comes in and, and gives you another weapon or a wrinkle in that offense. Like, yeah, I, I could see you hitting gold on EJ Liddell. What yeah, about you, I mean, Corey? Like playing next to Cat, just to to piggyback off that, like Cat stretching out the three point line, it lets EJ stick to what he feels comfortable with, like operating with the ball in his hands, you know, on the block or in the mid range. Um, again, like cat could play down there too. So he could stretch that out for cat like that. That's interchangeable. Um, don't sleep on San Antonio. If he drops, you <laughs> know, gonna say don't, don't sleep on that. And you know, uh, any little, any of the little things that need to be fixed with the jump shot. So he could, uh, you know, add that extra distance, not make it so line drivey working with Chip England. I think, you know, that would be frightening. Um, but I, I definitely think he's not on the spectrum of Grant Williams, who, you know, I wasn't really high on in the draft. Uh, I think he's probably lived up to my expectations in Boston because he's definitely a good role player that teams should want. Um, I think this year he's, he's really taken a, a nice leap forward. Uh, but I think that EJ has more to that. Again, the Paul Millsap thing, like, I wonder if 
all-star Paul Millsap was just like time machined into 2022 NBA if he'd still have been selected as an all-star. Yeah, I I think that's a real thing Um, because I've talked about, I'm sorry guys, I've talked about the fan voting for the all-star game and I'm not a big fan of it, no (laughs) pun intended. Um, But I don't think like guys like this are going to be those all-star picks and and the Paul Millsap year where it was like Atlanta's entire team or starting five was like named as all-star. I was like, yeah, that was a cool thing, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime (laughs) soon. So um and it's not like saying that's a bad thing if we're saying, oh, he might not ever make an all-star game. It's like, well, guys don't make all-star games that play forever. Um, Mike Conley like didn't forever. Like guys yeah. could be really big additions to the their teams. And I, I think EJ will be on that, you know, that path where he could just be a, a heck of an asset. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think if he made an all-star team, it would very much so be like a down year in the NBA, like more so than EJ having like this monster, like 24, 12 and five, like LaMarcus Aldridge type season. Like, right. uh, it would be a, a weird, weird circumstance where just, we look back and we're like, all right, that was, that was a weird thing that happened. Right. Um, all right. Any, any other points that you want to hit on EJ or, or did we hit it all? I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, yeah. We went, we went an hour deep. Yeah. I mean, it, He's just fun. I I really do. Like, he's so weird because everything that you watch, you're like, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be selling me. Like, and then you just keep watching and you're like, I'm in. Like, it's just like, I don't know why, but I'm in. And and he does some stuff that you just can't explain. But I I really do believe, like, I I could see some team trading up for him. Like a playoff Mm. team that's like, this is a missing ingredient. Um like I just keep looking at teams like like Milwaukee or Memphis. Memphis will do yeah. it basically to piss us off. But um, <laughs> like well, how many picks do they have now? Well, they got what three still? No, two. Oh, so they only have two. Um, as, as well, does the that. third does the third one have to get like settled based on how the lottery results shake out? Like, is that one of those situations? Yeah, I think or- it's with Por- I think it's with Portland. So it's going. So it's eleven to. Th- 30 protect oh gosh guys i don't want to do it's the a math whole right thing now. that's yeah, that's for another episode sorry sorry guys in the comments but you know like uh someone in the chat earlier like houston like yeah houston be a great place like that that's just like a smart team's gonna be like hooper give give it give him to us we'll we'll figure it out down the road and he's gonna help us with the rebuilding process and get us in the right direction and you know maybe sam presti's like foaming at the mouth right now to get uh ej liddell at the wrinkle <laughs> Before we uh, let you do your thing where you plug um, everything, Savage NYC in the chat asked us what our thoughts on Jalen Williams of Arkansas are. So I'll I'll let you give oh, your thoughts had on me Jalen. Really deep in my feelings. Yeah, if you had I know. The Santa Clara one. Then this would have uh, been a two-hour episode because yeah, we would have I, I, I would have flipped my desk right now. I've been like, let's talk. Um, <laughs> Jalen Williams, Arkansas, you know, I, um, has he officially declared? Um, think so. I know that ESPN used him in the graphic for next season, Arkansas potentially coming in ranked number one at some point. Okay. So that's my point with him is like, I, 
I sort of want him to go test the waters to get feedback. Um, if he doesn't, I understand why. I think he could skyrocket if he goes back. And, and like we, I, this was before like Arkansas is having this late rush of recruits that they're going to be like stacked. Um, but I really like Jalen. I, I think he had a really strong stretch this year where it's like the confidence was really kicking in. He looks like he could be one of those playmaking bigs that can can have some touch. But if he takes another step forward, he could really soar up some boards. Um, now he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to work his ass off. But he's going to have a team that's ready to roll with yeah. Arkansas this year. So I like his game a lot. Um, it's just one of those situations where it's like I'm not rooting against any guy, but I think he can make a lot of money if he goes back for another year. Like I think if he came out right now, he might be this. This like I hate the term pre-draft, but he might be like this late first round pre-draft guy for a team. Um that they're like, okay, he's not ready, but let's develop him for a year. If he goes back, he could just really go up boards in a hurry. So I, I'm rooting for him to go back because I believe in his upside and his talent. And I just think another year could do wonders. Are, are you there with him, Corey? Or are you kind of a little bit no. more outish? Well, I want him to go back too. And normally, yeah. I normally in most circumstances, I would say that he should test the waters. And I think a team would take him in the second round and like he should go under most circumstances. Yes. But the recruiting recruiting class that Arkansas has coming into the year and the amount of, I think, national attention that they're going to get, I think that it's actually going to be in his best interest if he wants to play his way into the first round to go back next year because I think that it's actually a realistic possibility because most of the time I think guys in like his his situation to where like you know they had a little tournament run so he started getting like a little bit more national attention even though he was a guy that a lot of people deep in draft twitter like did have a, a thing for um it would be like all right you go back and then you kind of lose the momentum you had you never regain that that same hype and that same national attention. But I think next year with the, with the class, as long as all of those guys don't completely shit the bed, like I think they're going to get a ton of national attention. They'll have like another tournament run and he'll actually be a guy that teams are and fans are like, all right, this Jalen Williams guy, like I'm ready to, to, to do it with him and not maybe late first, like 20 to 30, somewhere in that range. I think maybe he could play his way into um, and if, Hey, if he starts like shooting at volume or something, then like you add in that with like the playmaking stuff that he does and who knows, maybe you're talking about a, you know, a guy who is potentially like a late lottery guy. If, if all goes well, I think um, his, I think his situation, um, just to end up on this is like really similar to what Nicholas Claxton was going through at Georgia. Um, he had that second year where it kind of like got the attention of NBA scouts and he was buzzing. And everyone thought he was going to go back and just like skyrocket up boards. And he, he ended up keeping his name in and everyone was like, Whoa, okay. And I think it was after he had like an impressive combine. If I'm, if I'm remembering this correctly, but um, he ended up going 31st. So I think Jalen's in that same situation and, and Claxton still looks like he's going to be an intriguing talent moving forward in the NBA. But I think Jalen's the same story. Like there's too much like benefits if he goes back in my opinion i think he could just really like you're saying they're gonna be on national tv all the time the spotlight um if he starts clicking and all of a sudden they have a deep tournament run like Jalen williams could be roaring up draft boards so um i'm rooting for him to go back because i think there's a lot of you know benefits or, or pluses for him for his stock and i'm rooting for every guy to succeed 
Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great place to end the episode. Thank you to everybody who watched live. Thanks to everybody who participated in the chat. Thank you for everybody who is listening on Apple and Spotify. Uh, thank you to Tyler Rucker uh, of No Ceilings and Backcourt Violation for filling in for Albert today. Um, plug, pl- do your thing where you plug away because you know you're the best of the crew. <laughs> no, I mean I'm at No Ceilings NBA.com. Um, Tomorrow, I will have a piece on Jeremy Zohan coming up. Pretty pumped about that one. And um, I'm at Backcourt V, like Corey said. Um, we're going to have some more stuff on the No Ceilings TV YouTube channel, some player highlights this year. And I think me and Corey might be brewing up some special projects for that. So everyone oh, might yeah. want to be uh, watching out carefully. But coming thanks, very, Corey, for having me on, very man. very soon. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, look, you're the – anytime we need – you know, Albert's out with an injury or, yeah. you know, in a, his, his flu game type situation. We got to get you to, to pop in and, and, uh, help out next man up mentality, like we said. So, uh, thank you for filling in. And you know what, even though you're on the West coast, you know, normally I got to go, I got to do the late night East coast recording thing. And now I, I feel like I have the whole day ahead of me after, <laughs> after recording the episode. So this was wonderful. Um, but uh, make sure that you, if you haven't yet, and if, you, if you're listening at this point, you're probably subscribed to the show already. Subscribe to the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. Uh, leave us a, a review if your heart desires. I think that would be dope. Um, subscribe to the uh, NBA Draft Dude YouTube. Follow me at Corey Tullaba on Twitter. And um, I think that's all I have to plug right now. You know, obviously, no ceilingsnba.com. You have no excuse not to subscribe to that for free. It's draft season. Things are going to heat up. We're writing every day, Monday through Friday, for free, right to your inbox. It's like it, nobody has done, like, I, nobody's done draft content like us. You know, like I, I, I keep thinking, you know, you're the meme master. We got to like pull the clip from He Got Game where they're like going through the starting lineup and like the, the last section where they're like, he's just like, we're Lincoln High School. Nobody's fucking with us. Like, like that's how I feel about our no ceilings draft coverage right now. We've been, we've been doing stuff unlike anybody else on the internet. And you know, I, I think that we try to remain humble. But I, as as far as if you're out there, anybody on the team listening, you guys have all been doing a phenomenal job yes. of, of making this thing what it has turned into. So, um, very proud of you guys. I know yeah. me and Corey are. Yeah, so hit up hit up No Ceilings NBA if you haven't. And uh, the cool thing is you can go back, just search, hit the search bar and like go back through the entire library of stuff that we've written. The whole team, just phenomenal pieces about I, I more prospects that I can count. There are probably prospects that have been written about that I'm just like, I don't even know who that is. Like, And I'm pretty <laughs> deep into the draft world. So um, it's, a, it's a great resource. And um, I mean, it's only April 13th right now as, the, as of recording. So... We got two more months of banging out amazing content for you. We will be back on the draft deck next week. And uh, that's going to do it for the episode. Thank you for rocking with us. We out. Peace.